Well, we want to turn in our Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that we have a place to come to. And as Brother Jim prayed a few moments ago, we thank you for the way that you have blessed it and preserved it. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we pray that you would continue to bless the work that goes forth here each day in the school and in all of the ministries that go forth from here, the sermon audio ministry, the radio ministry, all of these things. We pray that you would... uh, Use them for your glory and bring honor to yourself. We ask you to bless us as we study your word tonight together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In our last three messages in our study of the words of the Lord Jesus about the absolute necessity of continuing in his words so that we will know the truth, the truth that we Uh, need to make us free and keep us free. We've been thinking about the truth of the Word of God concerning Israel. And we've spent some time in our last two messages in Psalm 83, one of the most, I believe, if not the most important passages in the Bible to understanding what is taking place in the Middle East and why it's taking place. It's right there in a a very uh, compact space. You don't have to read a lot of books. It's it's right there. The Lord has condensed it down for us. He's given us a list of people that were the enemies of Israel and surrounded them in 900 B.C. And that list of nations uh, included Edom, which is Esau who despised his birthright and hated God and manifest his hatred of God by hating his brother Jacob, who would become Israel. He planned to kill him after their father Isaac was dead. The Ishmaelites are mentioned, the descendants of Ishmael, who God said would be a wild man, a man whose hand will be against every man, And every man's hand against him. A man who God said shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. A man who would live in hostility toward his brethren. And we see that hostility in his mocking and persecution of Isaac. And Esau, the man who planned to kill his brother Jacob, formed a relationship with Ishmael, who persecuted Isaac by marrying Ishmael's daughter. Then there's Moab and Ammon, the children of Lot, who separated himself from Abraham. Lot separated himself from Abraham when a strife developed between their herdmen. And there was never a bond between them again. They saw each other, I guess, briefly, when Abraham went and rescued Lot from the kings that had taken him captive. But Lot returned to Sodom, 
Abraham returned to Mamre, and there is no more contact between them. Then there were uh, the Hagarines are mentioned. They're the people of Hagar, the Egyptian, which brings Egypt into this picture. Then there's Amalek, who attacked Israel when they came out of Egypt. And the Philistines, who were the constant enemy of the people of God. And then there was Gebel and Asher, the Assyrians, who were the enemies of Israel and who would take the northern ten tribes into captivity. So here are all these enemies and haters of God, and their one objective, as we read in Psalm 83 and verse 4, is to cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. And it's the descendants of these people who are the Arab Muslim nations that surround Israel today and who have the very same objective as their forefathers, to cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. This is the hatred. And it's not just the Arab nations who have this hatred. It's virtually all the nations of the earth who have it. And the question that we considered Wednesday night is, why is it like that? Why are Israel, why are the Jews hated by this world? And we saw that the answer begins in Genesis chapter 12, where the Lord told Abram, Thou shalt be a blessing, and that in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we see that Ab- the, the way that Abraham would be a blessing, the way that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed, here in Romans chapter 9. Wednesday night, we saw the first way that Abraham would be a blessing, so that in him the families of the earth would be blessed. All the families of the earth would be blessed. We saw here in verse 4 that to Israel pertaineth the giving of the law, the written word of God. The Jews were the holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. And then it's the apostles in the New Testament, Jews, who were the holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we talked about how It was the Jews that God used to fulfill his promise of Psalm 12 and verse 7 that he would keep his words and that he would preserve them from this generation forever. And we talked about the point that Dr. D.A. Waite makes that the Masoretic Hebrew Old Testament text, the Textus Receptus in the New Testament, they are... Accurate, preserved copies of the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. Handed down by the Jews of the Old Testament and by the apostles, Jews of the New Testament. And the result of all that is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved Word of God that we hold in our hands today. The King James Bible. And the world hates the Jews for that. Because what sets the boundaries, 
What defines right and wrong? What defines truth and error? What makes up the bands and cords that hold society and civilization together? What stands as a rock that is unchanging and uncompromising against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the law of God. And the giving of that law pertaineth to the Israelites, to the Jews. As Paul says here in verse 4, and they're hated for it. Tonight we want to see the second way that Abraham would be a blessing so that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we're calling it the second way only because it's the second thing that is mentioned here. Um, it's equal to the first way um, that Israel, that um, equal to the first reason, if you will, that Israel and the Jews are hated. Look at verse 5. Paul says, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. I want you to think with me for a few minutes about how the story of the Old Testament is the story of the hatred of Israel. To keep the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ, from coming into the world. Why did these nations, and we have to keep remembering who is the mind behind these nations. It's that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Why did these nations say, come and let us cut them off from being a nation? that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Because the devil wanted to destroy the nation of Israel. He wanted to destroy the nation through which, as concerning the flesh, God would be manifest in the flesh. And so all through the Old Testament, we see this war that is raging between Satan and God. We see the devil working through the unbelief of Abraham and Sarah to give them a son from the Egyptian Hagar as a substitute of the flesh for the son that God promised Abraham would be his heir. And when that heir Isaac was born, when the promised son came, what does Ishmael do? He persecutes Isaac, pursuing in a hostile manner in any way whatever to harass and trouble and molest. That's what the word persecuted means that we read in Galatians 4.29. And Paul uses that word to describe Ishmael's relationship with Isaac in Genesis chapter 21. We see the serpent working in Esau's hatred of Jacob and his plan to kill him after Isaac died. We see 
Satan working in Genesis chapter 34, the chapter that we've been uh, looking at on Sunday morning, in the offer of Hamor to Jacob, for Jacob and his sons to make marriages with them. And give your daughters unto us and, and take our daughters unto you. To destroy, Satan's plan was to destroy Israel through assimilation into these other uh, peoples. We see the hatred of Israel and the attempt to destroy uh, that, that nation in Egypt. When Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill the male Hebrew babies, but keep the female babies alive to destroy the nation of Israel through abortion at the moment of birth. The very thing that the Democrat Party supports today in this country. We see the hatred of Israel and the attempt to destroy them when Balaam is sent for by Balak, the king of Moab. Curse me this people, Balak said to Balaam. And you remember that Balaam could not curse Israel. Every time he came to a place and he looked out and he saw uh, the people of Israel, what he uttered was a blessing. But Balaam had another plan. And he gives counsel to Balak to send in the daughters of the Moabites so that the people of Israel would commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And then when that happens, when you've got this mixture there, then call the people of Israel to sacrifice to your gods. That was Balaam's plan. To be joined to Baal to bring down the wrath of God upon Israel that he might destroy them. We see this war over the nation of Israel all through the book of Judges. As Satan sought to destroy Israel through his emissaries, the Philistines and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, the, the, the Lord was seeking to use these people to teach his people war and to teach them their need for him. Satan's plan was to use these people to destroy the nation of Israel. We see the hatred of Israel in the book of Esther. In Haman's plan to destroy, to kill and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. We see the plan of Satan in the division of Israel into the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes. God never intended for that. And we see his hatred against the people of God as the Assyrians come because of the idolatry of those ten northern tribes. The Assyrians come and they take them into captivity. And then the Babylonians come and they take the southern tribes away and they destroy Jerusalem and the temple 
And yet those things that were the hatred of Satan, those things were the judgment of God, the chastisement of God to cause his people to see their need for him, to cause his people to confess their sin and return to him as Daniel outlined in Daniel chapter 9. This is the history of the Old Testament, a brief history, if you will. The hatred of the Jews and the attempt to cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. To keep the Lord Jesus from coming into the world. It's the continued history as we come to the New Testament. Satan, through Herod, attempting to kill the Lord. As he sends forth and kills all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under. Sometimes it's good for us to... Read those words and really think about them. It's easy to lump them in with the Christmas story. And we know the Christmas story. We know it backwards and forwards and sideways. And sometimes we need to just stop and think about those words. Herod sends forth this command to kill all the children that were in Bethlehem, and not just in Bethlehem, but that were in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under. Think about how many hundreds, how many thousands of children that were. In Luke chapter 4, we see the devil tempting the Lord Jesus. We see him tempting the Lord to get him to leave the place of dependence and obedience to the word of God so that he might not be able to go to the cross. In the same chapter, after the Lord Jesus spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth, the people there were so filled with wrath because of his words that in Luke uh, chapter 4 and verse 29, we read that they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. In John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus healed the impotent man on the Sabbath day. And beginning in verse 16, we read that the Jews did persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said that God was his father, making him equal with God. Now, I've heard people say from time to time that that Jesus never claimed to be God. That's not true. This is, an, uh, this is a case where he did exactly that. In John chapter 7 and verse 1, we read that Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. In John chapter 8, when the Lord Jesus revealed himself there as the I Am of Exodus chapter 3, You remember Moses 
the Lord appeared to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses said, well, okay, who am I supposed to say has sent me? And the Lord said, I am has sent thee. He said, I am. That is my name forever. That is my memorial unto all generations. And here is the Lord Jesus in John chapter 8 saying, Before Abraham was, I am. Here's another case where the Lord Jesus was claiming to be God. Well, the Jews understood exactly what he was saying. And we read there in John chapter 8, Then took they up stones to cast at him. They were going to kill him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. That happened again in John chapter 10. When the Lord Jesus told them, told the Jews that he and his father are one. There's another example. That's three tonight. And that he is the Son of God. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. In Matthew chapter 16, we read how Jesus began to tell his disciples how he was going to go to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. In verse 22, it is Peter, Peter, who took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But you remember what the Lord Jesus said. Who it was that used Peter's flesh to speak those words. Matthew 16 and verse 23. The Lord Jesus said, he turned to Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. That's one of the most sobering verses in the Bible for believers. Because it confirms for all time the oneness of this old Adamic nature that we have with the very nature of Satan. And it tells us that when we savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men, then we are acting as Satan. And we're an offense unto the Lord. And so it's Satan here that is fighting against the cross. Be it not unto thee. This shall not be unto thee. It's Satan that's trying to prevent the Lord Jesus from going there. In Luke chapter 22... We read in verse 2 how the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. For they feared the people, then entered Satan into Judas. Satan enters into Judas. And Judas goes his way, and he communes with the chief priests and the captains. And he communes with them about how 
he might betray the Lord into their hands. And the Bible tells us that they were glad. And they made an agreement with him. They covenanted with him to give him money. And Judas promised. And he sought opportunity to betray him. In the absence of the multitude, that was the plan. This is Satan's plan. It's Satan's plan to take the Lord Jesus. It's orchestrated by him. It's carried out by Judas. And the execution of the plan takes place in John chapter 18. I'd like for you to turn back there, if you will, to to John's gospel, chapter 18. Here in John chapter 18, in John's account of the events of that night, the Lord Jesus is arriving in Gethsemane. And John tells us in verse 2 that Judas knew the place because Jesus came there often with his disciples. And so Judas knew exactly where it was. And notice what we read in verse 3. Judas then, having received a band of men, that that is a company of soldiers. It's a detachment of soldiers, complete with officers. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. And Mark tells us in his account that it wasn't just a company of soldiers who came. He tells us that there was also with Judas a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. John tells us that the soldiers tells us that these people had weapons. Mark tells us that the weapons that the soldiers and the multitude had were swords. And that brings up a question. Why would it take a whole detachment of soldiers and their officers and a mob? That's the scene that you can can see here. Carrying uh, lanterns and torches. Why would it take a mob with swords to arrest One man. One man. I think Satan was hoping that the Lord Jesus would resist so that he could be killed right there and stopped from going to the cross. But he didn't resist. Peter resisted, you remember. He cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. The Lord Jesus healed it. The Lord didn't resist. But Mark mentions something else that the soldiers had. And that's staves. Staves. One of the meanings of that word is a fetter or a shackle for the feet. And I think it's interesting that John tells us in verse 12 that 
they used these staves. Look at John chapter 18 and verse 12. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Bound him. And then begins a night of torture for the God of glory. I believe Satan is behind the beatings and the scourging that Isaiah tells us in, in Isaiah chapter 52 resulted in the visage of the Lord Jesus being so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. The Lord Jesus was so marred from the scourging and being beaten with fists, with fists, and slapped with the palms of the hands of this multitude there in the judgment hall, that he no longer looked human. Satan's purpose here, again, I believe, was for the Lord to die from the torture. And it's hard to imagine. We, we, we can't. We, we can read the words. But it's, it's impossible for us to enter into what it means that his visage was so marred more than any man. He could, Satan's hope was that he would die from the torture so that he couldn't go to the cross. Satan did all that he could for 4,000 years to keep the Lord Jesus Christ from going to the cross. Because in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God told the serpent something. He told him that the, the, the seed of the woman would bruise his head. That doesn't sound terribly uh, dangerous to you and I, the word bruise. We have bruises. I have them all over my hands. I think sometimes my hands think I'm at war with them. But Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 the full meaning of that word bruise. He says there, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death on the cross of Calvary, just as was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, that through death he might destroy him, destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And listen to the next verse, verse 15. And deliver them, that's you and me, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This is the way. This is what God saw and prophesied 2,150 years in the future 
This is what he was seeing in Genesis chapter 12 when he told Abraham there that he would be a blessing and that in him all the families of the earth, all of them, would be blessed. This is why Israel is hated. This is why the Jews are hated. Because through the nation of Israel, through the Jews came the word, the giving of the law, the word written, and the word living. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. And he came as concerning the flesh through the nation of Israel. And Israel is hated because the word written and the word living condemn us. Turn back a few pages to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We looked at this verse Wednesday night. John 15 and verse 22. If I had not come, that's the word living, isn't it? If I had not come and spoken unto them, that's the word written. They had not had sin, but now, because of the giving of the law, that pertains to Israel. Because that, as concerning the flesh, Christ came through the Jewish nation. But now, they have no cloak for their sin. The word written and the word living expose us. They remove the cloak. They remove the veil. They remove the covering that we love to hide under that we love to hide and, and, and try to stay out of the view of God so that we can go on with our life and live the way that we want to live. But this is the double blessing of Abraham, if you will. This is how in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Through this double blessing, the word written and the word living. And that's illustrated for us in one verse. It's a very familiar verse, but turn back a few pages to John chapter 5, if you will. John chapter 5. And look at verse 24. The Lord Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, there's the word written, and believeth on him that sent me, there's the word living. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul wrote, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
to take the very things that condemn us and expose us, the word written and the word living, and then use those very things to draw us to himself so that whosoever will, whosoever will hear my word and believe on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Do you know him tonight? The word written and the word living expose you and, and expose me. But what are you doing as you stand with no cloak for your sin? No covering. Are you going on in hatred and rebellion against the Lord? Or have you heard his word and believed on him? And received his everlasting life and passed from death unto life? I had a whole lot more I wanted to talk about tonight. But, and, and there's more to say because we want to talk about the hatred today. The hatred of Israel and the hatred of the Jews today. We want to talk about those things, but we'll have to come back, Lord willing, in another message to do that. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for allowing us to consider these things tonight. The reasons that Israel is hated. Your word and yourself. The giving of the law that pertains to the nation of Israel, that came through the nation of Israel, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is concerning the flesh, came through the nation of Israel. Father, we pray that we would be those who understand the times, understand the issues of this day, to understand the why of what's going on in this world. It's, the, it's your enemies who hate you. It's your enemies who despise you. It's your enemies who despise your people. That includes us tonight if we're saved. We just pray that you would help us as we think about these things. That we might be able to go out into a world and explain to a lost and dying world what's happened what is happening and why it's happening the need to be saved before it's too late and we ask these things in Jesus name